Hi everyone, it's Eve Atley Blowitz from spiritgirl.com and welcome to the Spirit Girl Talk Show podcast. I'm super excited to be here with you today and with our very special guest, Dr. Gia Marson, who is a psychologist, author, consultant, integrative medicine health coach, lecturer, and longtime meditation practitioner. Dr. Gia Marson, welcome to the Spirit Girl podcast show and welcome to all of our audience globally. Super grateful to be here with you today. Thank you so much, Yvette, for inviting me on. It's always a privilege to have a chance to connect with people like you who are spreading really accurate and genuine messages about well-being and health and positivity and to connect with your audience also. I'm super excited. Thank you so much. Now, you know I'm a huge fan of your work and you do have a book which we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast show. But more importantly, are you happy to tell our audience who are tuning in today a little bit about your story and what inspired you to become a psychologist and to do the work that you have now devoted your life to? My path is a little bit windy, and I guess when you really listen to anybody's story, most people are have paths that are a little bit windy and circuitous. Mine is no exception. I started out working at CNN as a field producer out of college, and um, I loved the news. I still love the news, usually. Uh, of course, this past year has been a pretty rough news cycle. Um, but I love being able to get out in the field and hear people's stories and tell people's stories and talk with all different kinds of people um, around the world and different cultures and hear about um, just the way people live and the way they love, the way they overcome obstacles and things like that. What happened was eventually, after a few years, the gleam of... Uh, news was a little bit off and I realized I loved being with people. I loved hearing your stories, all the things, but I really wanted to help. It wasn't enough for me to just say, this is happening to this person. This is happening to that person. I wanted to actually get in there and do something about it. So I went to grad school and um, got a master's degree and then a doctorate in psychology. And while I was in my graduate program, what happened was two people who are very important to me in my large, crazy, Italian, Jewish, everything extended family, uh, developed eating disorders. And I didn't really know anything about eating disorders at the time. And I thought, oh my God, if this could happen to them, it could happen to anybody. They were loved. They were beautiful. They were kind. They were smart. They had families who loved them. And I thought, this makes no sense to me. And that started my journey. That's actually what started my journey in uh, wanting to understand how this gets going and how we heal it. Wow. That's an incredible story and journey. And I love how your love for listening to stories, but then wanting to help evolved mm -hmm. and also your own family members struggling with uh, the eating disorders. And can you share then, Dr. Gia Marson, for someone tuning in, we hear the word eating disorders thrown around. 
We see a lot on social media these days with people openly talking about their struggles with eating disorders. But can you, as an expert, explain more about the eating disorders, the link to mental health and well-being, physical well-being as well? Um, sure, I'd be happy to. Yeah, people use the term eating disorders a lot, and it's used so loosely that it, it loses its impact. Eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any mental health problem other than opioid abuse. And so they're life-threatening illnesses, and it's really important for people to get help. Um, a lot of people can have symptoms of an eating disorder, but not meet the full criteria. So they're not in, maybe not in as much risk or distress, and maybe it's not taking as much of their thoughts, maybe not causing as many medical problems. But the problem with eating disorders when it comes to mental health is there's a medical component to it because when we starve ourselves or when somebody throws up their food or they binge, there's a medical cost to that. So you have the psychological piece of it, you have the nutritional piece of it, and then you have medical piece. So that's what makes it a little bit more complicated. And um, even though we can kind of almost all relate to what it would be like to go on a diet, almost everybody can relate to that, um, sadly. Having an eating disorder is something different because it's something that really takes hold of someone's mind and starts getting in the way of their life. It starts being difficult to attend to your values and to you might skip a, a family event because you're afraid of eating there or you're afraid of binging there. So it an eating disorder is really when it starts to get in the way of, of your daily living. Okay. And can it be... When we're looking for symptoms, if our listeners are tuning in, when we are looking, observing and becoming the observer of our own thoughts and our own mm -hmm. life, I'm uh, one of the things I experienced as a teenager and in my 20s was clearly understanding that I didn't fit the cover of a magazine like even though I was size 10 and I did a lot of casting and I applied for um, a Dolly magazine, which was a teenager's magazine to be on the cover. What I noticed was when I didn't win, it wasn't because I didn't have, you know, the perfect smile or the happy go lucky face. It, I identified that the reason I could have not won was because I wasn't skinny enough and I needed to lose weight be skinnier and fit in that way. And what happened was from that moment, I always thought I was fat. I'd look in the mirror, even if I was size 10 and think I was fat and literally have those, um, the mind, like the thoughts. I then exercised ridiculously, like over-exercise, like fanatically, um, to get that six pack to lose that weight. I was so obsessed with what I ate, knowing, oh, I can't eat that, it'll make me fat. Can't eat that, it'll make me fat. Like really restrictive eating. And, you know, all of this, I didn't know in my 20s that I even had this eating disorder or this mental health issue or concern because I just thought I didn't fit into beauty. 
I needed to lose weight if I wanted to be um, chosen in, you know, casting. But there was a point in time that I, a penny dropped where it was, if I can't be myself, which is a normal sort of size 10 and I've gone up to 12 and 14 as you get older and come back down again. But if I can't be myself, then I don't want to be part of an industry that I don't fit in. So um, I'm very passionate about this topic because I feel that with social media, there is a we're bombarded now with photos of people pulling their shirts up and showing their ripped abs and the booty is so and you know getting that rock hard and and we've got brands that are really selling that sex now you know and that hot look and when you're just an average girl or woman like me and you just want to eat for nourishment, you just want to eat for your health, you want to still exercise to feel good, but you want to work on your mindset. It's so, it's so, can be so overwhelming and just make you feel so overwhelmed. But have you seen an increase now in eating disorders and mental health issues purely based on triggers that are coming from media or social media? Yes, definitely. And for those people who have eating disorders, you know, where we don't really teach anybody how to curate their social media environment. If, you know, when I was a little girl, if there was a bully on the corner, I wouldn't walk by that person's house, right? But now with social media, we forget that we cannot walk by that person's house. We don't have to look at that site that makes us feel bad about ourselves. We've, it's our neighborhood. Social media becomes the neighborhood we live in. And I think we can easily, especially young people, get distracted by whatever's motivating us to get to that site uh, or follow that account. And not think about like, how do I feel after I'm on that account? What is it? What am I thinking about it? Do I feel good about myself? Do I feel good about my friends? Do I feel good about my life? And if I don't, what am I doing? Why am I on that site? You know, but you're right. These fitness, we'll call, we'll call it fitness and health promoters who conflate the idea of health and weight and fitness and all of that when really mental health and physical well-being go together they're one if you have a six-pack abs but you don't have mental flexibility you can't eat at your friend's birthday party because you don't eat that food that's not well-being i mean for sure if you have celiac or you eat kosher fine right there's medical reasons there's religious reasons people might eat certain ways but other than that basically food we should be nourishing ourselves to be focused on our being social and you know we shouldn't have times where we can't participate in meals with friends and family and so social media makes people think and especially young people think that they have to do it a certain way and if they don't they're a failure and so it promotes this all or nothing kind of thinking like I'm either fit or I'm not I'm either skinny enough or not I'm either muscle muscular enough or I'm not you know as if it's like perfect or failure perfect or failure and that is just a, 
kind of a binary set of, of um, you know, perfectionistic versus failure thinking that is not helpful to anybody's mental health. Uh, and that's why I love how you shared this because you can, as a consumer using social media, you could be quick to look at someone with a six pack who's smiling, you know, has beautiful hair, skin, posing in fitness outfit. But what you can't see is what their thoughts are about their own body or what their thoughts are in relationship with food. And I know this from experience that I had a six pack and I was the unhealthiest in my mind and my mindset and my thoughts. But to look at me, you know, as a fitness instructor, which I was, qualified fitness instructor, a personal trainer, mm -hmm. up on the stage presenting, um, taking people through workouts, mentally when it came to my thoughts about my body image, it was super unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a reminder to everyone would you say, Dr. Gia Marson, when you are standing in front of the mirror and you've got unkind thoughts towards your body or you're going to pick up, you know, uh, maybe your friends are having um, something to eat, like even a little piece of cake and you don't want to entertain even a tiny little piece of cake because you're going to put on weight and it's this catastrophizing thoughts are happening and it's so overwhelming and it's anxious thoughts that we should start checking in with our thoughts and, and getting a handle on are they kind, mm -hmm. compassionate, healthy, or the opposite. Mm -hmm. I, I would even make it so simple as to say, are they helpful or not? If your thoughts are not helpful, if they're not helping you to lead a good, happy life, balanced and driven by your values, then they're not helpful. So you know, find out how you can transform your thoughts into healthy thoughts and helpful thoughts that take you where you want to go. Yeah. And when you work with a lot of your clients, I, what I've discovered in my journey, my body image journey, um, is that I didn't realize how skinny I was to the point of like a little skeleton, like so skinny that I didn't even see it. I thought, oh, no, I'm still fat. You know, I'm still fat. I'm, I think, a size six by now or eight, but no, oh you gosh. know, you know, and um, I couldn't see it, but my family eventually could and they were very concerned. But it's very hard, isn't it, when you're in the mix of um, this whole eating disorder to see it for yourself because what you see isn't what you're thinking. <laughs> so with someone who really is struggling with an eating disorder, what are your recommendations? I always recommend to see a therapist, a qualified psychologist, that using social media isn't enough, even, you know, reading posts and things. I, I'm a big fan of psychologists or therapists to talk about how you're feeling. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think if you have an eating disorder, you have to look to somebody outside of yourself because just exactly what you're saying, your thoughts become distorted. 
And even your visual processing, what you see in the mirror may not be accurate. So it's almost delusional. It, it, that's not a word we really use, but just to paint the picture, it's kind of delusional. And so you might look in the mirror and you're a size six and you think, oh, I'm still fat. But the truth is your family's actually worried about you because you're underweight. And so you really need someone objective outside of yourself. It could be a physician. It could be a dietitian. Could be a therapist, could even be a family member who you really trust, and ask them, Am I okay? You know, if your thoughts are focused on food, then you're not okay. If they're focused on food all day, and if they're, if you're talking to a friend, but you're really counting up your calories from earlier and then figuring out how many calories you have left to go for the day, you're not okay because then it's getting in the way of you connecting with people and we can't underestimate how important people are in our life. So if food thoughts, body image thoughts, fitness thoughts are getting in the way, then I would say go get help from somebody, somebody outside yourself. Yeah, I love that message because getting the help and having the professional help can have a life-transforming effect and also what I'm seeing on social media there are people promoting everybody seems to have a fitness program and I know there's some really healthy science backed programs which are safe and healthy but I am seeing uh like a trend also of saying you know I've got this six pack and this booty because I'm only eating 1250 calories a day and this obsession for thinness, um, I thought it existed when, you know, we just had to, we used to have it just on the catwalk, on the runways. Yes. Um, but now I'm seeing it in, in real life, in real time. And when we're looking at getting a healthy relationship with food, how can we make a switch from food is our enemy Food is out to harm us or make us fat to food is our friend. How can we switch? And what are some, you know, healthier thoughts around food? I like to go back and ask people to bring in a picture from when they're two, three, four years old. And look at that little kid. Whether <laughs> you're a boy or a girl, it doesn't matter. Look at that kid. Look in the eyes. Look at... Think about what you liked to do and how much fun you probably had. Some kids have hard childhoods, but mostly at two, three, four, you still don't even realize it yet, even if your childhood is pretty hard. So were you thinking about food? Why not? Why not? Because you just ate and then you lived. That's what we all need to get back to. We need to get back to food is just a piece of our life that helps us have a healthy body so we can live. When food and fitness starts getting in the way of the living part of life, then it's not okay. And all of this focus on fitness is, I think, really overdone, honestly. People need to walk 30 minutes a day. They need some weight lifting. They need some stretching. But basically, our bodies are meant to move in natural ways, go for a swim, do some gardening, do your laundry. <laughs> These things are, they're active movements. 
Um, the pandemic's been tough because we've been stuck at home and people have been moving less, right? And so I think that is unnatural, right? So as a child, you're running around, you're moving around. And so food just becomes, it gets kind of put in its place. And I think one of the problems with this pandemic, and you and I talked a little bit before we started today about how much that has disrupted our our natural connection to our bodies because we haven't been moving as much. We're, we haven't been able to leave the house or go do our normal things, even getting in and out of the car or walking down the street to get milk or whatever is active, right? It's not exercise, but it's active. And so if you think about how you were at two or three or four, that's what you want to get back to, just living an active life, having fun with it, and eating so you can live that active life. This, the minute food and fitness takes on more than that, then it's a problem. Um, I mean, of course, unless you have a medical condition, but I'm, I'm ruling that out right now in our talk. That is incredible advice. Because I feel that once you understand that, so I'm finding as I get older, it's really easy to have the awareness, um, the maturity that food is just to nourish us, to make us have the energy to move, talk, do all the activities we want, and that it's just all about feeling good. So now it's about feeling good in the mind, the body, and just feeling good, moving to feel good, eating to feel good, and tuning in and doing everything to feel good, which has got nothing to do with the external, how I look. And I think once people get that, um, it changes everything. But Dr. Gia Marson, during COVID-19, uh, I'm sure you and all of our listeners could resonate. My anxiety went through the roof. Um, I'm still finding even today that I can get into moments of um, comfort eating and eating, uh, using food as comfort, maybe comforting worries, maybe comforting anxiety, um, go through these little binge eating sessions and then think, oh, you know, pull myself out again. Are you finding mm -hmm. with people being in lockdown, with the isolation, the boredom, um, the stress of COVID, that it's increasing our emotional eating? And if so, what are some triggers or things we can do to kind of check in like, oh, Okay, I'm eating because I'm stressed about this or I'm eating because I'm sad or I'm eating because I'm lonely. Well, let me start by saying that some emotional eating is is okay, right? It's, it's whenever we overuse a coping mechanism that we get into trouble, right? So if someone emotional eats when they're, they've experienced a loss or they're really sad or they're having a really rough day, it's okay, you know? Someone might go for a run on those days too. That's okay too. But you just don't want to use anything, overuse any coping mechanism. You don't want to go running for every emotion. You don't want to eat for every emotion. So I think you're right that there are coping mechanisms have been reduced because of COVID-19. The things that we normally do to deal with our emotions, especially when they're difficult emotions like anxiety, 
we don't have as much access to. We can't just go sit with a friend at their house and hang out. We can't go to a movie. We can't, you know, go to the beach sometimes. Like the lockdowns and the isolation have really limited how we can soothe ourselves. And food becomes one of the ways that's easier, right? Because we have access to it even during a lockdown. So I would say, first of all, be kind to yourself and gentle. It's not the worst thing. If, if in the pandemic you gained 10 pounds and you're alive and you're healthy, it's okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter too much. It's like we are in a time in our lives right now and in the world where people are dying. You know, if the worst thing that happens is you gain 10 pounds during the pandemic, that's okay. That's what you did to cope with it. And as you start moving more and getting out more, it will it will just solve itself. So I would say don't overfocus on it. But some tricks are to, you know, keep keep in the house foods that if if you're looking to food for emotional eating that you have options, right? Yes, you can make a cake. You can also cut up a bunch of apples. You could also uh, make some popcorn. You could also, you know, put out a whole uh, crudite, uh, you know. So, so just to have options, so you don't get stuck eating the same kinds of foods and stick to variety um, so that you're not always going to sweets or always going to carbs or even always going to fresh vegetables, which can give people a lot of like stomach aches and bloating and things like that. So I would say variety and um, be gentle with yourselves. We all need to be gentle with ourselves right now. It's been a really, you know, it's been a really taxing year collectively for all of us. And I think if we all tell each other it's okay, then we will believe it if we want to treat other people like it's okay if they gained a few pounds over this time then we can hopefully turn that same compassion toward ourselves i love that message it's so empowering be kind to ourselves yeah. it's okay if we put on a little bit of uh covid19 um pandemic weight in isolation or just being stuck at home and not able to do, you know, go on our normal yearly holiday or do what we normally do and to have uh, that sense of awareness and gratitude that as long as we're okay and alive, we are so fortunate and blessed and, and lucky in so many ways because there's so many other people that sadly aren't here this year um, due to the COVID-19 and um, that for me and I'm sure all of our listeners will resonate with this really puts it into perspective and um, hearing from you as an expert in this area is so uh, reassuring and that is one of the the greatest messages because we can beat ourselves up if we've just eaten a you know chocolate or some chips or you know just to give us a, a bit of a feel-good hit of endorphins but you're right once we get back out moving and once things get better in our communities that will also help us getting back out and the exercising and choosing better now dr gia marston i have to ask you've written a book and we have a spark girl book club you're on a book podcast show for those tuning in, can you tell them a little bit about your book 
and what inspired you to write it? Well, I know you're a big meditator and so am I. And um, what inspired me to write it is that I was meditating one day and I got finished and I thought, I'm going to write a book about binge eating. It was the strangest thing. I've never experienced anything quite like it. Um, but what I had noticed in my work, sadly, is that with binge eating comes so much shame because we have so much focus as a culture and as a world, really. We, we have these messages. We should be in perfect control with food, never lose control. Um, and the same with weight. You know, our weight should be this or it should be that here's normal BMI or ideal body. And we have all these rules around those and they're based on a lot of control. So for people who lose control um, and binge eat, it can be very shameful. And so people who have binge eating often don't come in for therapy. They don't tell their doctors, they don't go to dietitians. They just sit in the shame alone in isolation. If they do come for therapy, they often don't talk about the binge eating. They talk about relationships or job stuff or, or parenting or friends or, you know, but they don't really talk about the food. So I thought, well, the evidence, the scientific evidence is that um, cognitive behavioral therapy and a few other therapies really help. And the self-help form is almost as effective. So I thought, well, why aren't we getting this information out there? We have binge eating books written by people who themselves have recovered from binge eating, which is great. And those are one-off stories. Like that works for them and it might work for a reader. But why aren't we providing people, because we know self-help works, with the evidence, the scientific process of what we know works. So I went to a colleague of mine at UCLA who's a professor and I said, would you write this book with me? Because I like community. I like to like riff off people and kind of go back and forth with ideas. And she said she would. So we wrote the book together and we it focuses on um, your thoughts, your emotions, environmental triggers, how to set goals, how to use mindful eating, as a strategy, it focused on all the different um, scientifically informed um, interventions and strategies for recovery. And binge eating is the eating disorder people can have the it has the best recovery rates. Most people recover, actually, unlike the other eating disorders, most people recover if they use evidence-based treatments and self-help work. So I thought, well, why we should be doing this, right? Why should we just know? So Yeah, wow, that's incredible it. because I love your book. It's the Binge Eating Prevention Workbook is the title, I'll tell everyone. And when I looked at COVID as a whole, thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm just comfort eating, comfort eating. Like if I'm doing this and I'm in this binge eating cycle, like, imagine how many other people are comfort eating but then it gets to a point where like you said the shame people who are like maybe eating four burgers one after another they don't want to go on social media and tell everybody this is what I'm doing behind doors um, like you said there's a lot of shame associated with the binge eating or it's uh, people are feeling embarrassed or ashamed if they're choosing wrong food, even during the pandemic. 
So that's what I loved about your book because it gives people the opportunity to do the inward work, to learn more in the privacy of their own home. So it's incredible that you actually made the book happen and it's available on Amazon and I'm going to make sure I put all the links in to the podcast show because even if you're interested just about mindful eating Mm -hmm. because you talk a lot about mindful eating in the book and intentional eating but when you mean mindful eating for someone who's thinking what is that you're not doing a meditation (laughs) while you're about to eat but can you share a little bit about why you love mindful eating Yeah, I mean, mindful eating is shown in the research to help with binge eating. So the more someone practices mindful eating, the more likely and it's it's there's a correlation. The more you practice mindful eating, the less binge eating or mindless eating you will do and emotional eating. So it's very practical reason I wanted to include it is because the science is there. But from a kind of more spiritual, intuitive place, it just makes sense on a human level mindful eating is paying attention to your food when you're having it it's paying attention to what's going on in your body when you're eating so it's a tuning in to how hungry am i what do i feel like what's my energy level like now what kinds of foods give me more energy and so you you use your body and your environment to make choices based on what's happening right now not on some dieting rule or fasting rule but on like, what are you experiencing right now? What's your day like? What kind of energy do you need? What do you have available? And then when you go and sit down to eat, you pay attention to the colors of the food and the taste and you really get satisfaction from it. And the reason that helps with like binge and mindless eating is that you really take in that you've eaten. We're, we're sometimes so rushed, even during the pandemic, I have found people are still very busy even during pandemic strangely so we're still rushing around even in our houses so mindful eating reminds us to take time take a breath enjoy your food that way it will register with your body and your mind that you've eaten and you're less likely to go mindlessly eat again or binge eat because you've registered the food in a way you know in that way that I that love that. satisfying, you know? It's yeah. not just a physical, like, oh, I got my food in, I ate it while I watched some show, but I really, I enjoyed it. I feel it, you know, I, uh, I feel satisfied. Yeah, I love your, like, integrative medicine approach and your holistic approach and your spiritual, but just the mind-body-gut connection yeah. and, and bringing it together because I lost all connection with my Mm -hmm. own hunger pains. Because if you eat like at a certain time and you're so structured and rigid, like you might be eating at a time when your body isn't even hungry, but you're just doing it, you know, like these, like you said, fad diets or, or trends on social media and things can really disconnect you with your true inner self. And we're so unique. Yeah. In um, but I love the whole connection and mindfulness, and even observing, like you said, what's in front of you, what's mm-hmm. on your plate. Is it a red? You know, you call them peppers, we call them capsicums. Is it what's that color? You know, like 
just intuitively even becoming present where the mind's just not thinking of 101 things ahead of time where you're not even right there with your food. So I love, that's what I love, love, love about your book and your work because it's so um, grounding and it really brings you back in. Like I always say, the mind's out here, you know, and you're right. Even though we're in a global pandemic, we are still busy as ever. When it first started, there was this big notion of we're all in this together, we're all going to slow down. And I think we slowed down for the first three months and then after that it was sort of 100 miles per hour again. I agree. (laughs) So I love your book. Now, Dr. Gia Marston, you give so much with your clients, with your community, um, family, friends. Like you have a full plate with your book and all the work you do because you also uh, help other platforms, um, whether that be Goop or whether that be Psychology Today, but you're also sharing your message of um, intentional living and helping people with eating disorders and all kinds of things. And I know every therapist I've spoken to says their workload is gone through the roof during the pandemic. Sadly. Yeah. But how do you take care of yourself and what are some of your self-care rituals? I've always meditated. So since I was 17, I've been meditating. And in the last six years, I've started um, Transcendental Meditation, TM. But I love all forms of meditation, basically. And so meditation is really important to me. Plants are really important to me. Nature is really important. Um, Even if you have a little garden or you can sit outside for a few minutes every day, for me, that makes a difference. Just feeling the sun on my face can, for two minutes, I'll be at work having a busy day and I have a little patio outside and I'll just step outside and I'll just feel the sun on my face. Then I'll go back in. It's just all I need sometimes. So, Really, for me, it's nature, it's meditation, and um, staying connected to the people who are to people who are in my life, and that includes clients, that includes colleagues, and friends, and family. It really does. If I lose connection with people or nature or tuning into myself, that that's when I start getting wobbly. <laughs> Wow, that's so beautiful. Like I love your dedication to meditation and I also love your intuitive living, um, that spiritual overall connection, knowing that you're more than your body. Um, And if that would be the biggest message if someone, it's really, you know, and it's fascinating. I grew up, uh, my father's Aboriginal. So I grew up from a young age knowing, and my mum's French and immigrated to Australia, but I knew growing up from a young age we were more than our bodies. Mm-hmm. We were spiritual beings. We were energy. Even when our ancestors passed, they're always with us. They return to the land. Mm-hmm. But you know what? In my 20s, that all went out the window, or late teens. Yeah. What? All that old age philosophy stuff that I knew growing up, that all went out the window. And I just thought I was only a body and it was all body image. Um, So that's why I really wanted you on the show, uh, just to help anyone who's really struggling with the whole social media body image thing. 
if we could give them one message today, Dr. Jill Marsam, what would it be today? If you could give them one message, if they were stressed out about their body, what would it be? I like what you just said. We're more than our bodies. What do you want to be known as? What, what really makes you fill up inside with a sense of true peace and joy? Not the high of I skipped a meal or I lost five pounds, not the high, not that kind of adrenaline high, but like that deep joy, peace. Where does that come from? When is the last time you noticed it? It was, my guess is it was a living being, another living being or time really tuning into yourself. Do more of that. That is the place where we can share our gifts with each other from that place and we can also live up to our own best potential yeah i love that message it's so empowering so beautiful because when you discover you're more than a body it's so liberating it's so freeing and your whole life opens up to this magnificent realm of so much, you know, the fulfillment like you do each day, helping people to feel good from within, mentally, physically, emotionally. Uh, and it's just, it's just such a big weight off your shoulders. Now, in my 20s, I think I didn't really get that. <laughs> it took me to my 30s and now as my 40s, I'm grateful to know it. But um, for anyone struggling out there, and um, my heart goes out to them and to you because I know it's a really unhealthy place to be. It's a scary place for families, um, for mums and dads or family members watching anorexia or, or life-threatening illnesses. I know of sadly mothers who have lost their children through um, eating disorders so it is a very serious um, topic and I'm just so grateful, Dr. Giamarsson, that you've been here today to give so much hope um, to our audience and I really would love for people to stay in contact with you to also grab the Binge Eating Prevention Workbook. I think it's a go-to workbook just in COVID-19 um, and a great way to learn how to be more mindful when we're eating also, you're going to be having um, more happening on your website in this area. So how can we stay in touch with you? And what are some courses you've got coming up to? So my website, drgiamarson.com, you can sign up for my newsletter and that will give you information about when courses are launching. I'm going to be launching a couple um, courses, on one on intuitive eating which pulls from mindful eating and um, another one on living your best life. And that one comes more from integrative medicine and more, uh, more general than just eating intentional living. That is more general. And then some meditations also will be available to people also because therapists are so overwhelmed right now. I, no matter how busy I am, I, always offer that I'm happy to find referrals for people. So if you contact me, 
no matter where you are, you tell me what's going on and what kind of therapy you're looking for. I will do my best to get back to you with good referrals because we it's really hard to find them sometimes when you're feeling overwhelmed and alone and finally reaching out and then you get no one calling you back. So if you email me through my website, I will get back to you. I will offer you referrals and ways to get help. Oh, you are such a beautiful soul, Dr. Gia Mars. And seriously, like a little angel on Mother Earth, just a light worker, just you're glowing if everybody can go to the Spirit Girl YouTube. But Dr. Gia Mars, and you're just so beautiful and so passionate and so kind and caring. And I love how you just shared the message that you're willing to help someone to get back to them. Um, and just to give them a referral and that is such a kind thing because you are right I've had situations when I've struggled with my own mental well-being and health and if you don't receive a, a, a recognition of that or an acknowledgement or just a sorry to hear try this um, or even an appointment time because Maybe the receptionist is, doesn't get to the email or call you back. It really can be a matter of, um, you know, life or death. So it really is so important for everyone if you're out there, even just checking with your DMs. I find during COVID that just people will just reach out to me mm. and I, I won't even know that they were even consuming my content. Oh. But to get back to them, and to say, I'm sorry to hear you've lost a loved one. It must be so difficult. Here are some things. Here are some people to connect with or just little things like that. Um, act of kindness can go a long way. So, Dr. Gia Marston, I could talk to you forever on our uh -huh. Star talk show. Me too. This, this whole kind of hour that we've been together with our audience has gone so quick. So what we'll do is we'll say goodbye to you today. Um, and we'll say goodbye to our beautiful Spirit Girl audience. Thank you again, Dr. Gia Marston, for being on the show and for sharing your words of wisdom, expertise, love, passion for helping others to feel good from within. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to everyone in the audience for listening and for caring enough about your own health and well-being and the health and well-being of the people you love and care about to get more information. Beautiful. Well, we'll say goodbye to Dr. Gia Marson and thank you for being part of the Spirit Girl talk show podcast episode. Be sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review and to tell someone you love to and together let's feel good from within. Bye for now. Bye. <laughs>